Mark chapter 6, we're going to pick up in verse 30, and we'll go on down through verse 44 as we look at the uh, a passage that will be familiar to you more than likely, the feeding of the 5,000. This is one of two feeding miracles that occur in the gospel of Mark, okay? So, uh, so later on, we're going to see, in, in just a few weeks, we'll see Jesus feeding 4,000. Um, this is the only, the, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only passage, the only miracle of Jesus, anyway, that, that's recorded in all four gospels. Now, now keep in mind, we, we have four gospel writers who are each writing to different audiences for different purposes, and yet each of them thought this was important enough to include in telling their writers about who Jesus was, or in telling their readers about who Jesus was, right? They, they, they thought this one was, that this, this miracle, this instance, obviously made a huge impact on each of the gospel writers. And so this morning we're going to come and we're going to see, uh, so our, our big idea for the morning, is, as we've, we've done each week, the, the big idea is that Jesus provides even when situations are uncertain. And we'll see this morning, we'll see the, the disciples facing a situation that was uncertain. They weren't exactly sure what they were going to do. And even in the middle of their uncertainty, Jesus took that as an opportunity to, to um, increase their faith, increase their reliance on him, and to show the power that he has over circumstances. So let's stand this morning as we read Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. We'll go down through verse 44. Let's stand in honor of the word the, word the Lord has given to us this morning. Mark 6 says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place, but many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When they went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it is already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. Let's pray. 
Father, this morning we come to a passage that, that we know, a passage that is very familiar to us, and, and so we pray that you will speak to us. We pray that you would open our eyes to, to maybe see some details we haven't seen before and to see the way that you provide for us even when things seem uncertain. Pray that everything we say and do will bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus in this place this morning. We ask all these things in his mighty name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. So, so the big idea is uh, Jesus provides even when situations are uncertain. Now, now in this, we're, we're going to go back to just a couple of weeks ago when, uh, when Chuck preached on uh, verses 7 through 13 and how uh, Jesus sent out the 12. And then last week we had really kind of this aside or this, this parenthetical section where we talked about John the Baptist's uh, his ministry and then, then his uh, being martyred. And this morning what we have are the disciples coming back after the mission that, God, that, that Jesus sent them on. And, and, and we see them reporting to Jesus what they had done and taught. And in verse 31, he actually tells them, come away by yourselves to a remote place. He says, come away. And so one of the things that we see here is that Jesus calls us to rest from the blessing and the burden of ministry. We see the importance of rest. Now, the disciples had, had returned from this mission. They experienced great things. And now they, they gather and they begin to debrief on, on everything that they, had, that they had seen. And you can just imagine the scene as they come together and they're back with Jesus. And they're saying, hey, Jesus, you're never going to believe what we saw. To which Jesus' response is probably something like, try me, um, right? Yes, I, I'm going to believe, but, but share with us the, the amazing things that you saw. And then he sets an, an important example for them. Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For, we, we see at the end of verse 31, for many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Now, by, by the way, we saw this back in the early parts of the Gospel of Mark. We saw the crowds pressing in on Jesus to the point that, they, that, that Jesus and, and his followers at that time had no time to themselves. We were told that they, they couldn't even prepare a meal. So similarly, there was no time to eat. And yet Jesus was not content to allow the constant press of ministry to, to rob him of, of time alone with the Father and time to rest. Now, we as people tend toward one extreme or the other, right? So, so as people, we tend toward either laziness or workaholism. And in my life, I've, I've known far more people who, who tend toward the latter, who tend toward this, this, this workaholism. This, there's always so much to be done. 
And especially in a day and age where uh, we have little tyrants that rule our lives known as smartphones, where we are constantly connected, it can be very easy to not unplug. And so it's important for us to remember the example that God himself set for us back in Genesis 2-2. When on the seventh day, God rested from all his work that he had done. Rest is important for us. There, there, as, as we go about lives as, as followers of Christ and, and do jobs prayerfully to the glory of God and, and lead families to serve God, listen, there, there are many blessings to be had in, in life and certainly in, in the act of ministry, but there are burdens as well. And Jesus here teaches his disciples something. Rest is a necessary part of life. And so they set off on this mission to rest. Verse 32, right? They got uh, into a boat. They went by themselves to a remote place. And so they're getting to experience a little bit of this rest. But many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. Now, here we have a, we have a question. What's going to happen? How is Jesus going to respond to the crowds who, who really press after him when all he wants to do is get away with the disciples and rest? How, how does he respond? We see that in verse 34. It says, When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So if in the early verses here we're, we're called to rest from, uh, from blessings and burdens of ministry, we might just say life in general, here well, we see the need to reflect Jesus' compassion. Because Jesus looked at the crowds and saw they were like sheep without a shepherd. This morning in our Sunday school lesson, we, we, we were in John chapter 10 and we saw how Jesus is the good shepherd. And, and one of the things that, that we will discuss almost every time we talk about sheep is that sheep are not um, extremely intelligent animals. There's a reason that, that sheep gather together in pens with, with a shepherd to guide them and protect them. On their own, sheep don't really have any defense mechanisms. In fact, some, uh, some species of, sh of sheep, um, their, their defense mechanism is to fall over. They, they get scared, they just... That's not really effective if you're trying to get away from a, from a lion or a wolf, right? That's not... That's, it's not an, like just laying down is not always an effective uh, defense mechanism. And so when Jesus looked at the people, he saw they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were leaderless. They were vulnerable. And instead of scoffing at them, he had compassion on them. What's interesting is uh, in, in verse 34, we're told Jesus saw a large crowd had compassion on them. That, that word compassion is only used in the New Testament to speak about Jesus. It's the only time it's used throughout the entire New Testament. When that word compassion is used, it's, it's 
used referring to Jesus and how he responds to his people. And he began to teach them many things. You know, when we look at the culture around us right now, we might understand something of what Jesus saw when he looked out at people. Could you, maybe you've seen some scenes on television or on your Facebook feed, um, and you, you would, we might agree that right now there are a lot of people who are acting like sheep without a shepherd. So it's important for us as followers of Christ to ask, how did Christ respond when he saw that? Did he get frustrated? Did he throw up his hands and say, what a bunch of thugs? No, what did he do? He began to teach them many things. He had compassion on them. So as followers of Christ, we are called to reflect Christ's compassion even to those who don't deserve it. Because here's the caveat. You and I don't deserve it either. And yet we've been shown compassion by Christ Jesus. So we're told how, how Jesus responded to them. Now we're going to see a test that the disciples face, and that is how will they respond? What have they learned from Jesus? When, when the time comes and push comes to shove, will they respond with compassion? Will they respond with faith and trust, or will they respond with unbelief? Verse 35, we're told when it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it is already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. By the way, in verse 6, don't, don't miss this. The disciples give Jesus a command in verse 36. Send them away so they can go buy something. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to give God a command that doesn't usually work out all that well, right? And that's what, the, that's what the disciples are about to find out. And yet they're, this, this command that they give to Jesus or what they're asking him to do shows where their heart is. Shows where their trust is or rather their lack of trust is. So verse 37, Jesus simply says, you give them something to eat. And we find out in the very next phrase that they estimate in order to go buy bread would be 200 denarii worth. Now, a denarius was a day's wage. They said it would take 200 days' wages to feed the crowd. That's, that's a good chunk of money. So what would they do? They were just told, you feed them. Well, Jesus, that's going to be a lot of money. We, we don't have it. And the very next verses that we see here, we're taught to rely on Jesus' provision. Verse 38, he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said five 
and two fish. So you can, you can imagine the, the, the disciples me, you know, wandering through the crowd and asking, does anyone have food? Anything at all? Did you, did you bring any, any food for, for coming out here? We're told in, I believe it's in Matthew, that there was a boy who brought his lunch that he had. Five loaves and, and two small fish. Now, I don't think like enormous loaves and, and like prize catches because the, the word that's used for fish is actually sardines. All right, so we're not talking like big old mouth, big mouth bass here. We're talking minnows. Just enough for a, for, for a boy to, to snack on, to eat during the day. At the end of the passage, we're told that, that there are about 5,000 men. Now, now, notice that women and children aren't mentioned, and so for, we can assume that this crowd in total was somewhere between fifteen and 20,000 people. Now, that's a meal, right? That, that's a lot of food to, to prepare, and they, here they are with five loaves and two fish. And yet, don't miss this. Don't. Sometimes I think it's really easy for us to overlook and, and to rush right into what Jesus did and, and to, to miss the fact that, first of all, the disciples did what Jesus commanded them to do, right? Go see what you have. How many loaves do you have? So they, they go and they do what they could do in, in obedience to what Jesus just told them. And you can imagine maybe some of the conversations they're having what, what, what are we going to do? Just, he expects us to spend how much money to go buy food? These people should have brought their own food if they were coming out here. Why, is it our, why do we have to take care of their lack of preparation? And yet they, they go. They, they, they are obedient to what Christ called them to, even if they were maybe a bit reluctant. Don't miss the fact that somewhere... In their searching, they come across a young boy with his lunch that his mother probably packed for him. And when they say, hey, we're trying to figure out how much food we have, that this young boy says, here, this is what I have, take, take it. I don't know what you can do with it, but take it. So they did what they could do. The, the young boy did what he, he could do. He gave what he had. And then we see Jesus taking that and doing with it what only he could do. Verse 39, it says, Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish and kept looking up to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves. And he kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. And they picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. Jesus took what they had and he did with it what only he could do. He used it in a way that only he could in order to accomplish something great for the kingdom of God. See, where 
the disciples perhaps saw only despair, where they saw something that was hopeless. Jesus saw a divine opportunity and a chance to teach something about the hope that's available in him and in the gospel. But the question arises, okay, so this is a story in, in the Bible. Does this, does this work in real life? Because that sounds kind of crazy, right? To just think that, that Jesus would, would take what I have and multiply it. And that, that can, can, is, is this a way to live? Well, let me share with you a story about a, a man named George Mueller. George Mueller ran an orphanage in England in the 1800s. From the time George Mueller set out to establish this orphanage, he felt a very strong conviction that he should never ask anyone for anything but rely on the Lord to provide. His reasoning was that, that if, if the Lord led him to establish this, this orphanage, then the Lord knew exactly what he needed and the Lord would provide. So he sets out and begins to test out this theory of what living by faith might actually look like. He begins to see God provide. And the ministry begins to expand and the, the, the orphanage expands. Now, in his autobiography, he'll tell many times where they wake up in the morning and there is no milk, there's no bread, and there's no money to buy bread. And rather than panic, they, they, he leads the orphanage staff to call out to God. And on many occasions in his autobiography, he'll, he'll say, we sat down to eat with the children even though we had nothing to give them. And after we prayed, there was a knock at the door. And they would open the door and someone would be standing there. I, I just, I, I felt the Lord leading me this morning that, that you needed bread and that you needed milk. And it would be just enough to cover the needs of the children. If you've never read um, much on George Mueller, I'd highly encourage you. His autobiography, and there's, a, uh, there's a, a book by a man named Roger Steer that's a fantastic biography, fantastic look at George Mueller's life. And, and Mueller's life serves, serves as an example of Philippians 4, 19 and 20, which simply says this, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to, God, uh, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, we, we continue to live in a world right now where there's so much uncertainty. So, so much that's not known about what the next month holds, about what, what the rest of this year holds. And yet, could, could this be, as we've said from the beginning, could, could this be a time of refining for the people of God where, where, where we're constantly reminded we cannot trust in the things of this life. Our, our faith must be in Christ alone. And when things here on earth are scary, will we trust that Jesus is still in control? 
and that he will, as we see here in these verses, supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So my question for us this morning is simply this. Where in your own life are you focusing more on what you don't have rather than what you do have in Christ Jesus? Where are are you tempted to show fear rather than to have faith? Now, Now, don't misunderstand. This isn't a call to do nothing, okay? So, so in other words, like if, you, if you don't have a job, it's not a call to, well, I'll just sit at home and wait for the phone to ring with my dream job, right? That's, that's not quite how this works. But it is a call, so, so it's not a call just to stand back and do nothing, but it's a call to steward the resources we do have in order to see the kingdom of God expand, just like the young boy with the loaves and the fish. who is willing to steward those, to, to give them to the disciples, to take to Jesus so that, it might, that what he had might be expanded. This is, this is what we talk about. This is why we, we talk about missionaries every single Sunday morning and, and how we're, we get to partner with people around the world to share the gospel. It's why we send money onto the cooperative program. It's why we take up offerings like the Annie Armstrong offering, the Mission New Mexico, Lottie Moon, because we want to see God do great things and we believe that as we sacrificially give, he takes those and multiplies them for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's why we continue gathering in the socially distanced way, right, with, with, with face masks, it's, it's, it's why we continue gathering because we believe that God's shaping us and molding us and, and part of that is, is through the gathering of the local church. It's why we live stream for those who, who aren't comfortable or are unable to gather here together because we believe that, that the kingdom of God is still moving and that he moves powerfully when his word is proclaimed. That's why I call us to have what may be sometimes awkward conversations with neighbors or coworkers or family members about Jesus because we never know how God's already at work in the heart of someone and how a simple truth about who Jesus is can take root and flourish into a life lived for the kingdom of God. See, our big idea for the morning that, that Jesus provides even when situations are uncertain is, is certainly true when it comes to meeting needs. And in, in the context of what we saw this morning, we, we saw Jesus meeting a need to feed a crowd that, that otherwise had no, uh, that were, where there was no food available. And yet, do we believe that the gospel provides hope right when someone needs it? Do we believe that Christ will step in and provide peace when we most need it in the middle of tumultuous times? Folks, let us trust this morning that my God, 
your God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then let us live in such a way, not, not recklessly, but in faith, believing that he will meet our needs. Maybe you're here this morning, you'd say, Kyle, I've never reached that point where I've trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if that's you, let me, let me invite you this morning to turn from sin and trust in Christ Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross on your behalf. We have a model prayer that we've used. There's no magic words. This is not, these aren't magic beans in, in a prayer. This is just some words to help you frame what it would look like to trust in Jesus. Simply this, my life is broken. I realize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. So forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all and I will follow him. Maybe, maybe you're here and you prayed that prayer for the first time, placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So I'd love to visit with you in just a moment and, and tell you kind of about some next steps you can take. Maybe you just want to catch me on your way out the door and say, Kyle, I, I prayed that prayer and uh, I'm not really sure what to do next. I'd, I'd love to walk you through that. If you're watching us on the live stream, there's a number on the screen there that you can text or call and we'll, we will get back in touch with you this week and let you know how, to, how you can follow through in trusting in Christ Jesus. You know, stories like this one this morning remind us that our God is still in control. Even when situations are uncertain, God is still in control. So let us trust him. And let us share the truth of the gospel with those around us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to open up your word. I, I, I thank you for this story that we have, that we've heard so often, and yet in this story we see the compassion of Jesus toward people who desperately need it. We see how you provide for us. You meet all of our needs in Christ Jesus. May we believe that with all that we are. May we trust that even when we can't see what the next step is, that you are already there waiting for us. So let us live in this faith. Let us walk in this faith each and every day. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.